episode 7, Mental Mathematics. Welcome to Hand of Pot. Welcome one and all to episode 242 of Hand of Pod. No, that's wrong. 462 of Hand of Pod. I've just confused myself by trying to count up uh, Jose, Jose Sam's age in years and days precisely as of last Saturday. Um, because he's done a goal in the league, uh, which we will discuss in a very short while, but for now we are recording back in English Dan's living room and you'll be relieved therefore to hear that English Dan is with me. We haven't broken into his house while he's out. I'm here, yes. And so is Andres. And I'm what? You know, yes. <laughs> uh, now El's feeling rather more chipper, we're told. But uh, Yeah, he's not here at the moment, but he is. Generally. Good. He went, he went out for a turon with chocolate chips. A chocolate chip turon, if you will. Lucky him if, yes. if he, I mean, if he likes to run, I'm not a big fan, personally. He does, yeah, I'm not either, but apparently that that's not hereditary, that's not passed down through the uh, paternal line. No. To run fancy. So through the Argentine line, I would have thought, if anything. It must be, yes. A Spanish also. Yes. Oh, true, yeah. That's there true. are certain, you know, um, Christmas Argentine sweets that I enjoy. Uh, Mantegol is mm. fantastic. Could eat right. mandicol all day, every day. But turum, no, not for me. Too chewy. Not, uh, don't trust my teeth around it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's begin by reading out the scores from the Liga Profesional de Football last weekend. Before I start reading these out, I will say I think, I've got a feeling uh, that I caught the second half, maybe, of Boca versus Tigre. Um, and I can't remember having watched any of the other games. Weekend was mostly taken up with getting to La Plata, where I did watch an under-20 World Cup game yeah. um, involving England and Iraq, which we'll talk about a little bit later, maybe briefly. So it's good you, you were able to catch at least one game, because mm. after that, yeah. similar if I, uh, I, 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 I couldn't get to, to watch any game, but if I would have done same, something similar to you, We'll have in the same case because both teams were... Yes, indeed, yeah. Uh, Argentina and England are both out, but we will discuss that uh, in, during the second half of the podcast. Within it about is, 30 seconds of each other, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, literally within yeah, 30 seconds or a minute or so. Um, anyway, the results from the league last weekend were Atletico Tucumán 1, Arsenal 0, Gimnasia 0, Sarmiento 0, Platense 1, Belgrano 0, Independiente 1, Lanús, I mean, I've already spoiled this one for you, 1, um, Barracas Central 1, San Lorenzo 0, big result in the title race. Tacheres 1, Argentinos 0, also a big result in the title race potentially. Might have to wait a bit further down the line to see how big. Defensa Justicia 1, Racing 1, Boca 1, Tigre 0, Newells 2, Godoy Cruz 0. Ooh, I think I might have caught just a few minutes of that as well, but I can't remember any goals. 
Colón 2, Central Córdoba 2, Banfield 2, Rosario Central 0, Huracán 0, Unión 1, Instituto 0, Estudiantes 0, and Beres Sarsfield 2, River 2. Meaning that that uh, shock win for Barracas against San Lorenzo wasn't as big a result for the title race as it might have been, um, but it does mean that River have just crept one point further back in front. They're six clear at the top now on 41 points. San Lorenzo have 35. Tacheres, who got that win over Argentinos, have closed the gap a little bit. They're on 34 points in third place. All in all, a pretty terrible weekend. I saw an average of one and a half goals a game. 22 goals in 14 games. And that was pretty much saved by those two four-goal sort of thrillers, I guess on Monday because otherwise it was very tough watching this weekend of Argentine football yeah uh, yeah the weekend kind of extended into Monday because of the fact that um, actually I'm not sure why because the 25th was Thursday so that shouldn't have affected things but there was only one game on Friday for some reason oh because of the Argentina game on the Saturday in the under 20 World Cup right which meant that there were no matches or very few matches on Saturday afternoon there was that big gap for the broadcast possibly and then I think River were playing on Thursday. Uh, they played on Thursday in the Libertadores, yes, possibly. Yes, they might have done, yeah. And there was already too many games on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically. Not. Wouldn't have been the worst weekend not to pay any sort of attention to Argentine football. No, so uh, in, a, in a sense I got lucky. Mm. Uh, as I said... In another, you didn't because you ran an Argentine football podcast. And have yes. to talk about it. No, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Love more real sense. <laughs> also, I, you know, I missed stuff on Sunday because I went to a match that, as we will discuss later, turned out to be absolutely dreadful. But uh, that's another matter. So very much in keeping with the spirit of the weekend. Yes, as I said, some of the football I think I did manage to catch from the local league uh, when we got home from La Plata on Sunday was bits of Boca versus Tigre. I think I saw the second half or the end of the second half or something. Did anything happen? No, I mean, I'm struggling to to say for certain that I caught it, but Miguel Merentiel had scored the only goal of the game, or what turned out to be the only goal of the game, uh, after 13 minutes as Boca got a 1-0 win over Tigre, and the headlines, at least the next day, were again that Boca are back on track, that they're looking like Boca again, if nothing else. No, Um, they didn't look like Boca. No? They looked like a team that plays nice football. Okay. That's a very catty response, Andres. Um, <laughs> also kind of a compliment. Backhanded a little bit, a compliment nonetheless. Did, from a River fan. I mean, yeah. Would you um, like to expand, Andres? What did Boca do right? Let's, hmm. let's get into no, this. No, no, I, I mean, uh, it was a convincing victory. And that is hmm. something new. Hmm. Uh, because we were quite used to, even when they became champions, we, uh, it is from Boca... Consejo de Football and the uh, supporters and the all what Boca Boca members say that so that the champion is the best team and sometimes it's not like that sometimes you can watch play uh, teams play better uh, nicer football or, or, or more like a, a football you look like, you like the most but the champion wins all of the matches one nil mm. and this and this is it and and Perhaps they deserve the the champions the championship, but they weren't so. Mm, yes, the best team, perhaps. Yeah, 
I think it's an interesting team they put out, to be honest. Like, no Paul Fernandes, no Oscar Romero, no Benedetto. Yes. A midfield free with an average age of 20 and a little bit of uh, Cristian Marina, Verela and X Fernandes. Um, apparently, is that a way forward for Boca? Is that what this is pointing to? Who knows? To? I mean, if they're not fielding nothing but veterans anymore, then possibly. Yeah, average average first 11 of uh, age of 27, which is mm. pretty decent for Boca. I mean, it's ages from the Boca that played with when Ibarra was in the bench. That is clear. Mm. Uh, and with some changes which are were surprising, at the same time were better, were improved the team, which, for example, the this uh, Weigand and the Adincula uh, change of positions, Adincula playing even... Almost as a striker, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, there were decent changes. and Another interesting yes. little thing from that team, at least, yeah. of their 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 12 subs. Only one was an offender. So, oh, well. And wasn't used. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've just had a quick look as well. It's an average age, as you said, of 27 and a half with... Javier Garcia, who's 36, Ooh. Frank Fabro is 32, and Luis Abincolo is 33, all in that as well. So they're bringing that average up quite considerably. You said Fabra, 32? Yeah, I've just checked. So he's... No, no, almost the double the age, is the age of, of Barco, who is 18. Yeah, quite right, Andres. He obviously wasn't... Um, I was about to say he was away with Argentina on the 20s, but he's... Been at home with Argentina on the twenties the whole time, but he's uh, sort of been in Santiago, he's been in San Juan. He's from from Bobby's, around from the, Bobby's yeah. point of view, he's been away, uh, even though he's not left the country. Um, but yes, he'll he'll be back soon. And yeah, uh, Frank Fabra's not far off twice his age. So yeah, yes. but, but I mean those three between them are actually Jorge Figueroa's not a spring chicken either, is he? He's tw- oh, twenty nine. So so it's just those three who are over thirty, but um, they're certainly bringing that average up. Um, and yeah, we always say that statistics don't prove an awful lot if you you know compare with actually watching the game. But when you talk about it being a convincing win for Boca, Tigre had three shots and none of them were on target, um, and that I think can demonstrate something. Um, when you bear in mind that it was only only a one nil win, but it could have been more comfortable certainly, uh, scoreline wise, but not much more comfortable performance wise. Um, Dan, I'm guessing that you're going to have some opinions on the fact that Racing, as you put it just before I hit the record button, didn't lose. Yeah, it was brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Watching a game just with mild disappointment instead of burning rage and and anguish. Yeah, Um, It's actually not a bad point, to be fair, because defensive Odyssey have been... Doing pretty decent recently. And they're um, fifth in the table even after that draw. Yeah, fifth in the table, and I think their recent form is even better than that. Let me see. Uh, ish. Not really. They tailed off, tailed off a little bit, but they they put together like six wins in a row at some point. Yeah, in fact, they had prior to that draw with Racing, they they drawn two 
lost one and won one in the Copa Argentina. Yes. Um, but when you look at who those draws were against, San Lorenzo <coughs> Estudiantes, so arguably yeah. not even that much of a tailing off because San Lorenzo second, Estudiantes are fourth. Absolutely. Uh, they did get absolutely twatted by Rosario Central. Of course, didn't they? <laughs> it was like, oh no, they didn't. No, sorry, I had a 5 nil in my head, but Central won 2 1. Who did Central beat recently? I don't know. I might have. Uh, oh, 4-1 against Central Norte in the Copa Argentina. 4-0 against Platense a few weeks ago in the league. That was what I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, but yes, sorry. Back anyway, to Racing and um, this year. Very even game. Uh, I thought it was good performance from Racing overall, considering, you know, they played midweek up in Quito. Got a very good result there. And then, obviously, had to come back. Focus on the league, which has been not great for them recently, to say the least, these last couple of months. Um, and we're a little bit unlucky I guess you could say to go down just another really silly bit of kind of dawdling on possession uh, this time from Aníbal Moreno which basically just let left defence uh, free to waltz in and uh, and score just uh, just towards the end of the first half but they came back Moreno at times for his um, for his error by heading in the goal uh, in the second half, Racing, you know, it was fine considering how things are going in the league. They're not winning the league. They're not going to be challenging for the continental places at least on the back of what they're doing in this championship. But it's an all right result against the OK team. Mm. where they've been picking up horrible results against horrible teams. It's progress. I think it things could have got very, very sticky for Fernando Gago if that one also ended in defeat. Even, you know, taking into account their very good Libertadores campaign. Gives them a little bit of breathing space and hopefully against arguably the worst team in the league so far this year, aka Banfield, at home on Saturday with a week's rest. And I think with a couple of players coming back, uh, Gonzalo Piovi, who mm. gets, who plays one game, gets injured, misses the next, comes back, gets injured. It's been a whole season, but he's really, really necessary in defence. He should be back on Saturday. I think Matias Rojas, who has basically been racing um, in a lot of 2023, is supposed to come back on Saturday. So. Tiny bit of optimism, I guess. Um, unfounded as it is, considering how much of a train wreck this uh, Liga season's been. We'll see. Please beat Banfield, because it's going to be... You know, as a, a Gago enthusiast, a Gago, you know, someone who stands up and says, no, he's doing a good job. It, it would be very hard to carry on if that went a different way. The thing is that they know that they are out, of course, from the... the league title mm. so they are focusing on Copa Libertadores but what happens if of course uh, you will you will say I hope Racing uh, becomes champion of Copa Libertadores but it's quite difficult and if they don't get a good result also in the in, in the in the Liga I mean, I've that seen, mean that they aren't qualified to next Copa Libertadores I've seen claims from kind of the more hysterical quadrant of um, Racing's you know online support that this is solely down to the fact that they're all picking up bonuses in dollars for Copa Libertadores wins. So they're actually trying. Whereas they don't get dollar bonuses for 
for the Liga games, so they just can't be bothered to win. Hmm. You know, prove them wrong. Prove the dickheads wrong. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's furrowing his brow at that uh, that wonderful conspiracy theory. Indeed. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it, I feel like it kind of overlooks the fact that they are earning their living from <laughs> all of the matches. <laughs> And it overlooks a lot of things. Very, very few players, if any, in, in this league <coughs> are earning enough to anyway, not they, have to work at the end of mm. their playing careers. But they don't so. cash in dollars, they cash in pesos. Uh, uh, they are converted to pesos when they... I, I don't think they, they receive dollars, I mean, the, the, the currency. Be surprised, I mean, I guess... Maybe That's not the only problem with the theory, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not even worth picking housing. Maybe... In the, the ones who've played outside Argentina and have got foreign bank accounts can get it paid in there, but it'd be quite difficult because they're still going to have to declare it. But surely any professional player worth his salt's got an account or two in Uruguay. That's basically why Uruguay exists. <laughs> Sorry, Uruguay <laughs> listeners. I don't know if we have any, but Argentines see Uruguay basically as just a big floating offshore bank account <laughs> slash beach. Yes, don't write in if you're aware that Uruguay is not in fact an island. Uh, I'm going to very quickly, just so a little apology by the way for the background noise, you, you might have heard a couple of small bits uh, in the background and noticed that at some point while we've been recording Noel has come home, we cut that hopefully smoothly enough that you didn't actually hear the join, uh, but he is here, but uh, most of the background noise you can hear is one of Dan's neighbours practising the violin, which unfortunately we can't tell them to shut up, so... Sadly it's not Noel, because A... We could tell him to shut up, and be it means I'd have a prodigy on my hands and <laughs> Indeed, yeah, could yeah. just sit back while he makes millions um, before spinning out and turning to drugs. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, before the fun stuff Who's starts that? happening. Um, anyway, Andres River, top of the league, six points clear, but probably thought they were going to be eight points clear until a very late equaliser from Neres. Uh, Robert Rojas gave River the lead with the only goal of the first half. Lucas Prato equalised for his old club against his old club yes. because he's been at Belles. Is this his third spell at Belles? It is, isn't it? Prato? Yeah. Third or second? Uh, anyway, he's played for them before uh, and he now plays I think it's second uh, because he had been uh, ten or eight years ago then Yes, I think it's second. Yeah. I think it's second, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, he equalised early in the second half, and then Lucas Beltran probably thought he'd won it for River with eight minutes to go, but Francisco Ortega popped up to disabuse him of that notion. And before we ask Andres what he thought of the match as a whole, I just want to mention that at half-time, I've just seen that Beles Sarsfield brought on a Brazilian substitute, Ooh. and it's not every day we see a Brazilian um, playing in the Argentine league, a 22-year-old called Lenny Lovato. Lenny. And apparently, it's from the from the from them. It's, I mean, they, it's not that they bought uh, Lovato from Botafogo or well. Oh, really? He's a, a yes, he's a product, product of the divisions. Yeah, in fact, in one during certain moments, until Simon and Beltran jumped into the match, there was only one player from the Yacht divisions for River. Uh, Gonzalez Pires and seven or eight from Venice. Mm. For Venice. Wow. Uh, um, but yes, he's from. It's he born was born foot, uh, there in terms of football. Uh-huh. 
Um, but what did you make of, of the match as a whole, Andres? Well, it looks like River lost. The, oh, I mean, uh, the Mercedes had to change because of some suspensions, injuries, part of the team, which meant that they are not playing like uh, five or six matches ago, in which you, we talked about a, a, a smooth and fluent uh, uh, touching uh, style mm-hmm. of game. Now they are playing more directly and not so fluently. And uh, apart from that, well, uh, it, like happened with Argentina, for example, in the under 20s, creating a lot, a lot of chances and not being able to finish them into goals. And you are paying, paying that with something like it happened the other day, uh, a, 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 a very indi- an individual mistake or huge mistakes again makes uh, prevent River from winning in this case three points, winning only one. Uh, of course, winning three will, will have meant to have a, an eight points gap, and I wouldn't say that securing the first first place, but uh, being quite close to to, do that, to doing so, in, and the draw means that they are not so. I mean, six points is a good gap anyway. I mean, give give, give me that. I sign where I have to sign <laughs> if I have to. Uh, if you offer me to have a six points gap, but given the circumstances, it has a like a bitter taste. Hmm. Um, and again, in this case, well, no one was not a, a problem with his feet, but Armani again failed. Uh, it was, a, a, I think, a, a, a powerful shot from Ortega, but from the middle of the, it was to the middle of the of the goal, and looks like Armani couldn't react quick, fast, and 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 well, save that that ball. Um, of course, there are critics, there are a lot of commentaries. Uh, in fact. In Diallo, for example, it was said whether he would be back to the to Atletico Nacional, the Medellin, uh, Colombia, and if whether River had to sign a new a new coach. That Barbero is free from I don't know the club where he's at now at Mexico, uh, and well, with that a, a game of of, of perhaps uh, getting rid of Armani, I think it's quite uh, tough. Uh, to think something like that, mm. of course, making mistakes, and you know that the goalkeeper when makes mistakes, uh, and and that mistake ends in a goal, happens things like that. Uh, of course, it was not it was not for one, and and the goal was a, a, a for two. It was two one, and, and the goal from Ortega meant that River couldn't get uh, the victory. But well, uh, things like that that, that that happen. I think it's. Uh, Bigger than that is that River had a lot of chances and couldn't uh, finish them properly. Yeah. One more word on Lobato, because I was digging. Yes. He has quite a fun family history. He is the grandson of Nelly Lobato, who was a super famous model and dancer married to a... Lenny. Hmm? And he's called Lenny, so they've just reversed the letters. Yes, absolutely. Um, she worked Vegas, she worked Paris, worked for, with Sammy Davis Jr., like uh-huh. very, very well-known in films, and was married to a Brazilian uh, choreographer, which kind of launched her, which is why the family ended up in Brazil. Okay. So that's something to look oh, so she to. wasn't Brazilian? No, she was from Saavedra. I see. Yes. Ah, so he's Brazilian Argentine. Brazilian Argentine, yes. Uh, right, okay. But when you see the formation, you see the Brazilian flag. Yeah. 
Yes. Only. Yeah, that, that was what I noticed. Because he was born in, in yeah, yeah, I think he was born in Brazil and grew up in Bucias. Mm-hmm. Which I was uh, in in March. In Australia. Yeah. Yes. Speaking of March, back in March or April, um, listeners might remember we talked briefly about the under 17 um, South, American, uh, South Championship. American Championship and we spoke quite briefly about a River Plate's uh, prodigy, Claudio Echeverri, and I notice. So if the score might be mistaken on this, but if it's correct, then um, Monday was his first appearance on the first team. No, bench. it was correct, but uh, he, he didn't actually get off the bench, but he wasn't he, sitting on it. It was uh, not a match for him, I think. Hmm. Tricky, very like tough, and with a lot of cuts. I mean, the the uh, very like with a lot of friction. Not yeah. uh, not a game for him to to show his abilities. I think. Yeah, uh, but yeah, seventeen years old. Watch this space. Uh, You'll see him sooner rather than later. Next time yes. River are two or three goals up, which won't be very long down the line, I'm sure, unfortunately. And, and the Michelis, we again, we'll have to rotate this squad because uh, we don't know whether Enzo Perez, Paulo Diaz and Mamana will be fit for, for, for the match against the Feste Justicia. And yes, I think that if River is 2-0 two, two up in, for example, the... Fiftieth uh, minute of the second half, he could easily uh, make his debut. Yeah, um, and of course, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, we have to talk about Independiente Lanús. Not because any of us saw it. I don't know whether either of you two did, but because with Independiente leading, so it's such a shame Santi wasn't here to join us. Um, through a twelfth-minute Martin Cauteruccio goal, and thinking that they had a one-nil win. Lanús were awarded a penalty in the 90th minute, and to take it, up stepped Jose Sand, who is was, on the day that he did this, uh, 42 years, 10 months and 10 days old, mm. to extend his own record as the oldest player to score in Argentine top flight history, uh, and to extend it by quite some way, because he <coughs> did score a goal in the Copa Argentina earlier this year, but this was his yes. first league goal in a, in a good while, because he's not better than playing. Um, I think possibly this year. In fact, no, I'm, I'm almost certain it's his first league goal this year. It might be his first league goal in like in a year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so congratulations to him again. It was also his 16th goal against Independiente. Oh, wow. 16 in 24 games. Huh. And 52nd overall against the Big Five. That's good. Fucking guy. good. So what's his hit rate against the Big Five? Uh, broken down, have you got it there? I I only have the hit rate against Independiente, which was 16 in 24. Uh, no, I don't have it here if you give me I mean, two seconds. That's an average of, of 10 goals, 10.4 goals against each of them, isn't it? So clearly somebody, <coughs> yes. one of them, is conceding considerably fewer goals against him if Independiente conceded 16 against. Oh, I do have, yeah, I do have the breakdown. 12 against Racing. Mm-hmm. 10 against San Lorenzo, 8 against Boca, and 6 against River. Oh, there you go. He doesn't like scoring against River, does he? No. Cancels out all those youth goals he scored for them back in the 1990s. (laughs) (laughs) Just enjoys playing in Avajanea, it seems. Mm. Except for when he played for Racing. Yes. Not better at all. Yeah. Um, His only two goals came against against Independiente, funnily enough. 
Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> he didn't play for River's youth team, did he? I was getting him mixed also up. Also, one of the few cases. He played for River at some point. He did play for River, definitely, yeah. yeah. I was getting him mixed up with, with uh, the kid who broke River's youth team goal scoring record and then got into the first team and barely scored for them. Ah. Um, but one of the few cases that, in, that he played for both teams in Avellaneda and uh, Lanús and Manfield. Yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He's, covered, he's, he's got a good amount of coverage of the Sonasor. Yes. It's a shame that he hasn't done like Arsenal and Doc Sud or something. <laughs> Not a shame for him. Maybe see him popping up playing for San Telmo or Doc Sud when he's about 55 in the lower divisions. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. Um, I think that we might as well take a half time break, gents. Yeah. Okay. What do you reckon? Right, don't go away. While we were recording the first half, uh, we had Sarmiento versus Newells on. That's the first match of this weekend. Uh, weekend in yeah. quote marks, because obviously it's not the weekend yet, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's nil nil at half time. Nothing very much to report. Ooh. We will now talk about the under 20 World Cup, which is being held in Argentina. Mm-hmm. Uh, and which, as I already mentioned, I attended a match of the other day. I went to Iraq versus England in La Plata. was quite amazed by the number of Spanish-speaking Iraqis there are in uh, La Plata. Surprising number. And, um, yeah, being possibly the only England fan in the crowd uh, was um, interesting. It was, it was an enjoyable experience. Uh, would have been nice to see a goal or indeed a good match of football <laughs> but I didn't see either of those things um, and yeah it, England already had the group one were playing in third gear for most of the match Iraq I was expecting Iraq to be quite happy with the point given that they lost both of their first two matches very heavily but uh, they were disconsolate at the end it was quite strange hmm. couldn't quite work out what they were so sad about <laughs> Uh, I mean, given that they'd have had to win like 13-0 to stand a chance of qualifying for the next round. Um, and but perhaps like happens with a <coughs> team which is not not so strong, by winning 1-0, it's great for them. Yeah, well, yeah. Even sometimes... I, mean, I, I thought that 0-0 was a you know, very respectable result yes. for them, but after the final whistle went, there were a bunch of them who collapsed to the floor and started crying. And I was wondering what they were... Uh, you know, I mean, they wouldn't have been going into the game with any illusions about managing to qualify. So I, I was very surprised. Maybe they just enjoyed their time in Argentina so much they yeah. didn't want it to end. Yeah, possibly, yeah. Can I understand that. Mm. Um, anyway, much like England, Argentina qualified from their group, as we discussed last week. Uh, we recorded during the 5-0 win over New mm. Zealand that was the final group stage match for Argentina. And they followed it up, just like England, as we already said, with elimination yesterday. Uh, in fact, the matches were played simultaneously with one mm-hmm. another. Um, it, the England game finished, I think, but about... England qualified as the first of their group because yeah. 
I think they did, yeah. And what, which was... England, in, England in, finished on seven points and Uruguay finished on six. So in the end it was worse for them because it was then Italy. Uh, yes, whereas Uruguay obviously just beat Gambia Yes. in a match that, as I saw uh, one Spanish-speaking account point out on Twitter when I went over to the Hand of Pod account to tweet that we were going to be recording, might be the lowest population knockout tie in any World Cup of any age group or gender. Uh, ever played because Uruguay's got a population of 3.6 million Gambia's got a population of about 2.6 million didn't realise Gambia was that small nor did I until I saw that tweet and I looked it up and was like oh yeah of course it's tiny I guess it is yeah um, kind of just that little strip isn't it on yeah. on the western kind of jutting out bit of Africa yeah. So yeah. someone pointed out in the replies that Uruguay played Tahiti in the Confederations Cup match a few years ago which um, obviously was much lower but that wasn't the World Cup match and uh, Croatia versus Iceland was the other match that was nominated as a possibility from the 2018 World Cup, but that wasn't a knockout match. Um, so if you've got a better suggestion, you know, write in and let us know. But uh, yeah, Gambia versus Uruguay, two very, very small countries meeting in a knockout game, and Uruguay won. So yeah, maybe it would have been better for England to have lost that 3 2 forever in La Plata, or, or drawn it, in fact, that would have seen them qualify in second as well. Um, but as it was they won it a few days before the match I went to see when, which very much was not a thrill <coughs> but anyway Argentina lost 2-0 to Nigeria with goals from Ibrahim Benji Mohamed and Rilwano Sarki um, I, I think that before the tournament started we'd have pretty much not so we oh we lost against Nigeria what a, yeah. what, what a disappointment or what astonishing I mean, it's, it's a surprise I mean, it's a, that Nigeria managed to beat Argentina at a World Cup, which has happened lots of times at adult level, and, and well, hasn't happened lots of times at adult level, notably. I think the last time at any level, because uh, I made this point on Twitter during the game, when it looked like this run was going to end, the 1996 Olympics hmm. would have been the last time at any level. Yeah, um, and obviously it's, it's quite a storied fixture, at youth level, in, in particular as well, um, I've got a feeling they played in that Olympics, and there was a was there a youth World Cup final at some point as well between these two? Maybe. I couldn't say off the top of my head. Mate, very possibly. Argentina have played so many there. teams in youth World Cup yeah. finals that it's difficult to keep track of all of them. Um, <coughs> but overall, a respectable sort of performance, or yeah. I think respectable is um, the best way you can describe it. You know, uh, we probably got a little bit carried away at some point. You know, thinking, yeah, oh, it's on home soil. Oh, this team have rolled over. You know, Guatemala and New Zealand—they're ready to take on the world. Because let's be honest, I think in the qualifying in the South American Championship, they were the seventh or eighth best team in South America. Um, got better luckily um but it was always the chance that you know the first very the first good team they met and nigeria are a very good team the only reason uh they were in that tie at all was that was because they also had um brazil and italy in their group and they actually tied on points with them uh all the team all three teams that came out of that group had six points um, but Nigeria just missed out on, on goal difference. Hmm. So it was always going always to be a 
very difficult game. Um, if you could point to anything at Argentina, you might say that you know, kind of the first hour when it was still level, didn't really do much. Didn't yeah. could have forced the pace a little bit because uh, once they started chasing the game, gaps, little cracks did start to appear in the Nigeria defence, which could have been uh, taken advantage of. Yeah. Before um, I make my my other point, I would just say that I hadn't misremembered Argentina beat Nigeria in the twenty oh five final. The Messi and World Cup, of course. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't completely misremembering. But yeah, watching <coughs> more kind of watching the highlights back, I, I have both the England game and the Argentina game on, but both very much in the background because I was working last night. But afterwards, I, I watched a, a few of the highlights from the Argentina game. And I, I kind of saw um, why Mascherano was quite so desperate to try and get Garnacho called up because mm. there were lots of moments as you say where the space starts to open up you think if if, if they had somebody who was that little bit more experienced at the top level uh, and is really good at running in behind mm. defences um, then he had that player on the bench in Juan Gaudo yeah, who ran New Zealand ragged and ran Nigeria ragged once he got into uh, to the pitch I think for the last uh, 25 minutes or so um, I just didn't have quite enough time to, to make the difference. Gaudo jumped into the match, perhaps a bit nervous, and perhaps I, I, I imagine because, of course, he Garnacho wasn't there, that he could have played a bit more at ease. But that's, of course, something I think without it's a I mean something that didn't happen. So mm. we can't we we never know. But uh, uh, I think it was a punishment for the lack of of accuracy for Argentina because they had a lot of like River had a lot of chances and the difference was in the boxes because Nigeria was quite good defending and in the other hand Argentina in the few at, uh, deep attacks that Nigeria had through long balls weren't uh, capable of, of defending them yeah. um, uh, that is the pity because Argentina had played you watched that they tried to build uh, the nice plays uh, nice ways of g getting to the goal of Nigeria while Nigeria while they were good with the ball the the, the attacks were more like balls to uh, win by the physically win mm. I mean. yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say something though on that point which if we have any you know died in the wall Bilarista listeners it probably won't go down very well I think it's good they played like that because at the end of the day, this level is it's not about winning World Cups, it's not about getting to the final, it's not about grinding out wins, it's about developing players. Getting the playing style from under fifteens through under seventeens to under twenties, exactly what you want to play. And so when these kids come through to the seniors, they're playing the same style as the seniors yeah, okay. and they can slot in. I mean um, two decades ago, Jose Fekerman was in charge of the youth team, won a couple of youth world yeah. cups and Okay, it, it took slightly longer than people expected, but eventually Lionel Messi and Angel Di Maria from from one of his teams managed yeah. to win the World Cup, managed by and coached by three of the guys from one of his other one of his earlier winning teams. I'm um, gonna throw I've and, got a you know, Javier Mascherano is not Jose Pekaman when it comes to management. That yeah. much is abundantly <laughs> obvious. So the very least he can do is that rather than go right, we have to win any way we can. He decides yeah. to go right. We're going to get you playing the right way at least. If I if I can't yeah. get you to win, I'm going to try to get yes. you to play football. And it feels like he did a pretty good job of kind of instilling this a similar spirit mm. in the under twenties as we've seen 
and it's been so important in the seniors. Like everyone seemed very happy in the group, very tight knit. And I've got a little quiz for you now. How many players from those last two World Cup wins in 2005 and 2007 won the World Cup for Argentina? Well, I've mentioned Messi and Di Maria. Mm-hmm. Uh, was Papo Gomez involved? Papo Gomez was in 2007. So that's three from yeah. two World Cups. Uh, and how many from Argentina's utterly shite... 2017 World Cup are now world champions. I don't know any of the players who were in 2017. No? No. Well, I mean, I'm sure I do, but I can't remember what the squad was like off the top of my head. Yeah, it's either. Five of them. Yeah, I was going to. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it would be more just because yeah. they were younger and, yeah. Lisandro and Lautaro Martinez. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. I did it all for an article earlier. Hmm. Plus... It was five of them, plus uh, another two, Cristiano Romero and Noel Molina, who played the South American Championship that year, but didn't make the World Cup. Yeah. So seven. From a pretty crap year for the under-20s. Mm. So, just uh, just goes to show, like, success at this level means absolutely nothing. Yeah, so Federico Gomez and Gert is going to be... Uh, Starting goalkeeper in 2024 when Argentina reclaimed it. It could be a stretch. That could be a stretch. But Federico Redondo? Yes, very possible. Well, but actually, this kind of goes very nicely into the the question I was going to ask now, which is that I I think it would be fair to leave, say, Valentin Barco, who's already a regular or semi regular starter for one of the biggest clubs in the country, out of this. But. which players have kind of done the most to improve their, their standing, their reputation, their visibility with the Argentine footballing public as, as part of this you know, tournament rather than just with Argentina? Luca Romero, I think, for sure. Yeah, Luca. yeah. I mean, Bale's already in Lazio, I guess. Yeah. I think Redondo, absolutely dead but, Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. So, leaving Barco aside and also leaving aside the, the players who are already in Europe because inevitably they're going to end up being more visible yeah, to Argentina. She's a lucky one. The ones who are with the smaller, in inverted commas, Argentine clubs. But Redondo's um, not in Europe, he's at Argentina. No, no, that was my yeah. point, sorry. Oh, sorry, I was, sorry. I was following <laughs> up on what you pointed out. Ah, I was Andres quite rightly said Luca Romero, yeah. and so I was pointing out that, that I, I hadn't phrased the initial question quite properly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like which, which of the others? Because I, I feel like maybe Gomez Gert didn't do himself many favours. But we don't know not how... Not much of the offence, no. But um, we don't know how glad he's playing... <laughs> Please, because <laughs> I will never be able to say or hear that, uh, that surname with a straight face. Um, I think Galdo did did himself a lot a lot of favours. I think he's the youngest mm. in in this squad. Uh, well, there's a few eighteen year olds. He's the youngest still playing in Argentina by the looks of it and playing regular first team football. Yeah, uh, Alejo Vélez. I was about to say yeah, a Alejo fantastic Lennis group starts, stage uh, and almost got against Nigeria a couple of times. Four matches, three goals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I thought Maestro Puch off the bench he didn't play that often but I thought every time he came in he looked really really busy really really dangerous like just a real pain in the ass kind of uh, little centre forward so <coughs> I watch I watch his face he's one who's likely him. to play a lot of first team football as well you know being a Atletico Tucumán yeah. I watch him more disturbing the, the defenders but not so good 
facing the, the goal perhaps but well yes yeah. he played not so much but being a nuisance is a big part of being a forward like I always like to see it when when you got a young forward especially when with the kind of the role that he was playing which was coming off the bench with mm. most of the time I think I'm right the same with the game basically won yeah. just kind of having to hold it up and then change the style a little bit and bring his teammates into play and if we talk about some of the European based players obviously you've mentioned Luca Romero um Matteo Tanlongo as well, which is another yeah, fabulous yeah. name to, to say if you speak Spanish. Um, quietly mm. effective, deep midfield. Obviously, very, very not quiet, as I good as Redondo, though, but you know, overall, I thought yeah. he, was, he did all right. Kind of got the sensation that he was in there a lot because he reminded Macherano of a young him. <laughs> yes, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, not bad, not bad. I was. Uh, am I right in thinking that Matias Soule didn't start any matches? He was just a sub each time, right? Uh, he might have started. Oh, no, he started one. two. Sorry, he started yeah. two in the group but, stages, Yeah, last night he didn't play even a single minute. So that was. I mean, that's surprising. I was expecting him to be nailed on. And again, going back to somebody who's in Europe. <clears throat> who was I going to say? Somebody who's in Europe. Uh, not in Europe. Sorry. Or actually, is he now? No, he's still here. Um, Gino Infantino the, the, the man whose name we can't possibly ignore just because of what his name is and whose name it sounds like uh, did, didn't really play much yeah. to be honest yeah. didn't get much of a shake but I feel like he's if he manages to get the breakthrough at some point and get transferred really to Europe he's mm. going to attract attention just because of <laughs> being called Gino Infantino very possible player. is that going to work in his favour or against him exactly yeah um, and I'm, I'm just I'm still not quite sure whether or not he I mean he might you know transfers and, and moves to different countries and different leagues can do funny things to players and we've all in 12 and a half years of doing this podcast we have seen players move abroad and surprise us with how well they've done yes um, and other players who we were convinced were going to be brilliant and haven't been um and I'm, I'm still not quite sure which way he, he's going to go. No. I've taken the, the time to look up the full list in the, from 2017. Mm-hmm. The five World Cup winners and world champions. Juan Foyt, Gonzalo Montiel, Exe Palacios, Lautaro and Lisandro Martinez. Juan so Foyt, of course, who was a member of the World Cup squad, having been excluded from the Copa America squad due to picking up an injury. If I remember quite late on in the final friendly before the Copa America right or did he get suspended for the first he got a stupid red card or something when he was a very very late exclusion from the 2021 Copa America squad for some reason uh yes I'm I'm sure it was an injury because in my head I have that he something happened in the final friendly and that led to him not making that squad and therefore not winning the trophy and we all felt sorry for him and now he's won the World Cup Ah, talking about the exclusions I know this is uh, the national team, the, the, the main national team, but there is currently released the list, the collapse for the next FIFA round. Yes, he did. And Frank Armani is not there. But, uh, that's the big headline, is it? Yes, of course. <laughs> who, who is it? They are punishing him because of the mistakes, I think. And because. Is it not just because River are going to be playing games anyway and they don't want to and take so, him all the way yeah. to Asia for completely meaningless games? And also he's 35, 36 now. Yeah, Does it make sense to start rebuilding the team? You know, if, if you want the rebuild, then you want some younger. Which goalkeepers are in there? Though? Obviously, Emiliano Martinez is there. Benitez and it was uh, Rulli or 
Uh, oh, okay, so it's not really a, a rebuild as such from that point of view, then. He's, he's not named Gomez Gert or something to take no, 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 it's... <laughs> <laughs> but, well, I, I mean, I know that Alejandro Van Nacho's in it. Yes. Um, and he's very happy about being in it. I'll read the full squad out for you if you like, so I've got it here. And the Campos, um, who hasn't been in the think, Copa America and the World Cup, now he's again back in. So the following 20, 27 players are going to take on Australia and Indonesia on the 15th and 19th of June, respectively. Do we know where? Asia. Okay. Presumably <laughs> that means Australia in Australia, given the Confederation and Indonesia. I'm, maybe in Indonesia? Or probably, maybe somewhere else? Probably neither of those, but anyway. Goalkeepers, Divo Martinez, Ruli and Waldo Bernites. Defenders, Otamendi, Acuna, Tagliafico, Pezzella, Molina, Montiel, Romero, Balerdi and Facundo Medina. Balerdi? Yeah. Okay. Midfielders, De Paul, Paredes, Lo Celso, slash Lo Celso, Guido Rodriguez, Exe Palacios, Alexi McAllister, Enzo Fernandez, Lucas Ocampos, Thiago Almada and Facundo Buonanotte. Oh, Buonanotte. That's, yeah. Okay, that's an interesting. And forwards, Lionel Messi, Di Maria, Nico Gonzalez, Julian Alvarez, Giovanni Simeone and Garnacho. Okay. So, so it feels so like Buonanotte really and Garnacho are getting a bit of a consolation prize for not being allowed to go to the Under 21 Cup. Yeah. And, and who's and not there also? The, the rebuild's not starting just yet with particularly... I mean, it's not going to, is it, with the Copa America next year? No, and I guess as well. Well, yeah, but I mean, I think also the fact that they they want to <coughs> give a few players, as as Messi put it immediately after the final when they said, you know, you're going to retire right now. They want to give a few players a chance to enjoy a few matches as world champions. Like, oh yeah, cool. I again, as I said right after the final, I think that Messi's going to be involved in the next Copa America, and it mm. wouldn't surprise me if he ends up playing in the next World Cup. But. No. Di Maria, for instance, and a few of the other older players are, are going to be phased out at some point. But first of all, give them some time to yeah. enjoy themselves. Maybe Di Maria will be given another Copa America and yeah. be able to yeah. draw the curtain like there. He's, he's, he's well. got three lungs. It's not like he's slowing down physically. Is it? No. So. That's true. And it looks like there was finally a request for Papu Gomez not to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Just too much enjoyment yes. in, in one man. So <laughs> too much winching going on but the mention as well of Messi, I guess we, we do have to um, spend at least a couple of minutes discussing the fact that he's about to play his last match with Paris Saint-Germain. And I find it, it's not really ironic, but I find it, it kind of underlines the one thing that I thought was a pity about the way that he left Barcelona, which is that he's going to play his last match for PSG, a club who he visibly doesn't give a toss about and who don't give a toss about him, knowing that it's his last match for them. Whereas he never got to do that for Barcelona. He, yeah. When he played his last game for Barcelona, he was under the impression that he was going to renew his contract the following year, and, blah, blah, and then that didn't end up happening. Um, and you know, I've said before that I thought that was a bit of a shame, the way that, that all happened, just the fact that he never got to say goodbye to the fans properly. I um, find it particularly strange for him not to, I mean, you are talking about Messi, not to know where, where he will play one month to to the end of the contract, that is yeah. really, really... So there is a lot of talk, I'm told, in Europe um, that he's received a, an offer he can't possibly turn down from a Saudi club um, to go and earn more money than God every six months. Um, but that apparently, from what I've seen a couple of Argentine journalists saying, he's 
doesn't really think he's not convinced that that's the right idea. I, I very much doubt this is a moral thing from his point well, of view because he, he very rarely he seems to have met people he won't take money from. But he just isn't that interested in playing in the Saudi league. He received critics because of the contract he signed with Saudi Arabian yeah. government. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yes. But also, I mean, he's still operating at a really good level. <laughs> yes. It's, it's not a Cristiano Ronaldo situation mm. to, to bring up the name that we shouldn't mention when we're talking about Lionel Messi. Um, yeah, I said to Andres before we start recording, it'd be a shame oh, yeah. to see him. Uh, yes. I completely understand it. Like He's, I, I he's finished football, basically. Like There's nothing left to prove, but for us, for, for the people who just really enjoy uh, watching him do his thing, it'll be good to have another couple of years. But, you know, I think the possibility is to finally go to Inter Miami. They have the money. MLS, I think, will allow allow them to pay a higher contract. Would I mean what doesn't happen with the Liga, La yeah. Liga in, in Spain? And uh, this, there was a hilarious theory that Inter Miami will buy he, buy Messi and send him on loan to Barcelona, so that Barcelona <laughs> doesn't have to pay the the amount of the of the transfer. I mean, I mean it's, it's, yeah, but he's available but, on a free transfer, isn't he? Because yeah. his, his contract with PSG is running out. So, I mean, I would, I would think Barcelona could, if he was, he, he just wanted to return to Barcelona, then he could accept any kind of offer from them now. Because the issue two years ago was that, I, can't, I don't know whether it's Spanish law or Spanish footballing regulations, didn't allow him to act, to, didn't allow Barcelona to give him a contract that was, I think less than 50% of what he was earning in his previous contract or something like that and that was still going to bankrupt <laughs> so that was why he had to end up leaving the club but then again if on one hand you, you know you got 300 million on the table mm. from Saudi Arabia I mean you're going to want at least something from Barca right like win, win 10 million yeah. but yeah. you're in Europe but it's also not like he needs money so I, I no, but wonder, if, if he's already we're young, humans, uh, like, I don't know whether, whether <laughs> we have to remember how hard it was at the at beginning in Paris. I mean, and it was Paris. Hmm. Imagine Saudi Arabia. Uh, I think win ten million dollars. You don't need the money. Yeah. you are in Barcelona. You are in Europe. Yeah, I mean, now that we've said this, he probably yeah. will end up going to Saudi. But I just I wanted to give our our listeners, especially in Europe, who, who I'm guessing are getting most of the stuff from. Uh, European journalists just let them know that the word here seems to be that he's not really that into that particular offer and that he might well end up going to as Andres says into Miami or it's interesting that neither Newells nor River who are the two Argentine clubs who have been mentioned throughout his career as future (laughs) destinations neither of them have even entered this conversation very strange how they haven't come out to match this offer from South Africa I'm saying saying that not one journalist has even come out to go oh you know maybe you'll go back this complete fantasy if he was thinking that if there was no cloud on earth that wanted him well I will go back to Rosario there was a supermarket (laughs) of the family Receiving ballots, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah quite some, right, yeah. some time ago. So, <laughs> I don't think so. Still think it'd be very fun to see a pet reunion at City. Although I, I know that would be I don't. Sam's living nightmare, and that almost makes me want it a little bit more. No, no, thank you. But we'll see. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. But yeah, anyway, at least he'll get to say goodbye to his adoring fans at PSG. Oh yes, and uh, and then we'll see what happens next. Maybe he'll just, he could, 
retire from club football to prolong his international career, become the first ever player to do that. That could be fun. Yeah. I think that would be a really good look for him. It would be play. interesting. Fun, funny, another hundred matches yeah. for Argentina. <laughs> funny is here that the barras of PSG were some, some weeks ago on strike, mm. which is really, really yeah. funny. It's very French. Very French. Very, very Parisian. Um, and yeah. They did it with a shrug, I'm sure. Indeed. A Gallic shrug. Anyway, dragging this back to the Under-20 World Cup, I would just very, oh, we're very still talking quickly. about the Under-20 World Cup. We weren't, yeah. actually, no. But I, I, I thought that since it's taking place here, right. we should just give a, a short update. So we talked about Argentina and England already. The other uh, round of 16 games finished USA 4, New Zealand 0, Uzbekistan 0, Israel 1, Colombia 5, Slovakia 1, Brazil 4, Tunisia 1, England 1, Italy 2, with, as I said, I wasn't paying any actual attention even though I had this game on, but I'm told that the penalty, which Italy won this one with in the 87th minute, was absolutely scandalous. <laughs> um, it, uh, again, I, I, that, that's what I've read. I, I, I didn't see it myself. Um, Argentina 0, Nigeria 2, Gambia 0, Uruguay 1, as I mentioned earlier, and Ecuador 2, South Korea 3, in a pretty thrilling finish that ended just before we started recording. Uh, this means that the quarterfinals are Israel versus Brazil, Colombia versus Italy, South Korea versus Nigeria, and United States of America versus Uruguay. So that's uh, U- USA has almost exactly, I'm going off the top of my head here, 100 times the population of Uruguay. Can we say this is the biggest population disparity in a single World Cup knockout game? Uh, Probably not, because US played New Zealand in the round before. Yeah, but New Zealand's got a bigger population than Europe. Has it? Must have. Really? Uh, for the United States, I, I told Dan that before we started that the US United States have on their squad Pukstas. Oh. A, a, a player called Pukstas. Pukstas. Yes. Not Puskas. No, but okay. it's like Gene Fantino in these cases. Yes. Uh, he's not called Frank or... Or something, is it your friends? Um, oh, and Sam. New Zealand's population is 5.1 million, so yes, it has got a bigger population than Uruguay. What I can say, Sam, is that you and I, at least, mm-hmm. still have a hand in this under 20 World Cup because oh, there is at least one Englishman, uh, to my knowledge, that is active. Uh, and I will give you. Nigeria? No, I will give you seven hand up pop points if you guess. Very possibly Nigeria, it's that's not, not the one I'm thinking about. Sorry, not playing for Nigeria. No. Not playing for Nigeria. It's not Gustavo Pochette's kid, is it? Is he playing for Uruguay? <coughs> no, he's like 20 odd, I think, though. Yeah, no, he, he must be much older, and yes, and yes. very much not good enough to play for Uruguay anyway. Um, an American, then, I'm going to guess. No. No? Go on. Oh, it's not this Colombian kid with an English mum who we talked about a few years ago because there was rumours he might join an Argentine club. I can tell from your face that it isn't. No. Who is it? Tomas Ángel, ah, the son, son of, of Juan Pablo Ángel, who is ah, a Brahmin. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, he he was born when, when Ángel played for Aston Villa. For Aston Villa, yes. Ah, okay. And they also have Jacer Espria, who wasn't born in Newcastle, I checked, but does play in England for Watford. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that I, I heard yeah. him... He and I'm sure in the United States they must have at least one English E. Kid, but I haven't done the numbers. Yeah, I heard that he said that he loves River. He likes River very much, which of course has sense because of Juan Pablo Angel. And of course, here, well, perhaps Thomas Angel wants to come to River, similar to Bono, the 
goalkeeper of Sevilla. It's uh, from Morocco, but yeah, fan mean, of football play. Also, uh, sadly, I had an interview with Tomas earlier. Mm. Speaks very good English, but not with a Brummie accent. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> um, but yeah, that gives me the, the opportunity to say as well that the, more, the most amusing thing that happened during Iraq um, versus England the other day was uh, that obviously throughout the game, every single time possession got turned over and Iraq got the ball, whether it was through England putting it out for a throw-in or a tackle or a misplaced pass or whatever, they were just celebrated as if a goal had been scored. Mm. Um, when England had their penalty saved, celebrated as if a goal had been scored. It was incredible all the way through. Um, but then very late on, very, actually I'm not, I'm not sure how late on, but at some point in the second half, um, one of the Iraqi players went down injured and had to be subbed off. He mm. got up and was able to walk himself off the pitch. Um, and having noticed him earlier in the in the match as well, I thought that guy looks very very white compared with the rest of their team. I looked him up on SofaScore, and sure enough, it was the kid who plays for Queens Park Rangers, was born in London, has an English mum and an Iraqi dad, uh, and he was he walked off to a standing ovation from the crowd by virtue of the fact that he was playing against England. And I found it quite amusing that the Argentine fans were giving an Englishman a standing ovation without well, or an English boy. A standing ovation without noticing, without um, realising it. Uh, so that was uh, basically the most fun that I had going to that. <laughs> it, was, it was an enjoyable experience overall. Um, but yes, it was a terrible game of football. And the organisation of the match was... I mean, we got there... So the, the fun, uh, not very fun thing that happened uh, for that game was that um, we got a flat tyre. Uh, on the way, well, not actually on the way. Who is that vehicle oh. trouble, Sam? Oh. Yeah, I think it might be you. No, no, no there, there is uh, something with this car. Yeah. Uh, so we're having the car <coughs> repainted, or various bits of the right. paintwork touching up because it's got a lot of scratches. Mm -hmm. And it was at the uh, Chapista, mm -hmm. quite near here. Um, of course. Last Where else week. Take you it was very, very. Uh, as, as you know, it rained a lot last week. It was very humid all it week. Is. And as a result, he didn't get a chance to work on it last week because the paint would have taken ages to dry. Okay. So my girlfriend called him and said, are you going to have the car ready for Sunday? Because we're hoping to go to La Plata. And he said, I, it's not ready because mm -hmm. I can't work on it because the paint won't dry. But if you want to come and get it on Saturday, you can take it away, bring it back to me on Monday morning and you won't lose your place in the, in the queue because obviously he's got a bunch of cars that he right. can't paint. Uh, so that's what we did and she drove it home and then we went down on Sunday morning and fortunately because it's my girlfriend and she doesn't just think let's get to the game and watch the football because this was the second game of football she's ever been to and the first that she's ever paid to go to because the only previous one was a, a River women's game that we went to with Tony last year um, she was thinking how can we make this a slightly more interesting day let's go and do something in La Plata beforehand Right. so we got downstairs to, to the car at like midday the game kicked off at three o'clock and found that there was a flat tyre and as a result of the fact that she had been planning to spend an hour and a half in La Plata before the game we ended up getting there literally I walked into the stadium and the photo that I sent on the WhatsApp group was taken two seconds before the game kicked off right after we walked into the ground <laughs> Um, so we missed the anthems which was great for me oh. because I wouldn't have been up for singing along to the English one anyway 
Um, and yeah, no. So, but as a result, I can't really say much about the organisation. It was all fine. It was much more relaxed than going to a league game, which I liked. I haven't heard any complaints, to be honest. No. It was uh, it's very low-key. I was expecting there to be much, much, much more heavy branding, but obviously I guess it's, it's not a proper World Cup, yeah. and I guess they couldn't really kick it up to a, a huge degree, given the very short notice they yeah. had before um, hosting. But, hopefully... Now that Argentina's involved is over, or maybe when the tournament is over, uh, we can get Santi on at some point. Because so he's been to yes. all of Argentina's games, and certainly at least the first one. I know that he, 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 there was a piece from him hmm. for the match against... He's, the, he's covering it for La Nación. So, yes, yes. Yeah. From the match last night, he had this, this piece. Okay, so that's minimum of two Argentina games he's definitely been to, and I'm guessing he's been to various others as well. So, you know, hopefully we'll be able to get a, a word from him on what it's been like in the interior um, around it as well. But anyway, shall we do Mystic Sam? Let's do Mystic Sam. We have one thing to mention. Well, oh, we have a couple of questions, questions but questions. there's one thing we forgot to mention in the first half, which we've been used to, you know, talking about coaches getting sacked or whatever. Mm. We had a referee who got sacked this week. I missed this. Diego Abal. Okay, yes. Who was in charge of the VAR mm-hmm. for last week's otherwise rather forgettable clash between Gimnasia and Sarmiento. Yes. And he was sacked for the minor faux pas of giving an offside from a corner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this was... Um, Gymnasia were taking a corner and one of their players kind of started when the ball was kicked was beyond the goal line. Mm-hmm. Um, ran back on, kind of backwards, as it were. Picked up the ball, crossed it over. I think there was a couple of rebounds in the box and Gymnasia managed to turn it in. Um, the referee clearly wasn't sure about what was going on, referred it to Vaughan. And Abal took the unprecedented decision of overturning 150 years of international football board um, orthodoxy <coughs> by just changing the rules at a stroke. Wow. Um, and as a result, he's, got the, he's been shit-canned, uh, which I've never heard of happen so this isn't, in Argentina. This isn't... He's been told he's not going to be... Officiating the next couple of rounds or something. This is he's just yes. he's been struck he off. The P forty five. Wow. Good luck in your future endeavour. And this is one of the more well known officials in Argentina, isn't he? He's, he's been around for a while, yeah, about, yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. think he's ever been, you know, FIFA referee or anything, but he's yeah. Well, but known, yeah. I don't remember him. It, it was a terrible. Sure I don't think he was one of the worst, but no. that is kind of a mistake. Perhaps you know, he's one of the worst, and they they told him. You are not so good, so go to the bar room. Well, but <laughs> you, you need to know anyway the, the rules, of course. Mm. Okay, listeners' questions then, <coughs> as Dan reminded me just before that. Uh, Machiavelli says, in the under-20 loss, the ball was being played in behind a very deep Nigerian defence and there weren't players coming to receive the ball. Has this been a feature of Mascherano's team or the options he had available? I only saw the second half after the... Uh, after the Argentina slash Sevilla penalty win, which we have a question about in a couple of minutes as well, so I won't explain the joke there. I can't see any of these questions. Where are you getting them? From the Hand of Pod 
mentions. Oh, that one was from just tweeted at Hand of Pod, so you might see it. Oh, um, but I mean, as we kind of said earlier, it, it's kind of a consequence of of the team selection that there, there isn't. Mm. A real just out and out goal getting number nine, although Melis does look promising, and it's kind of a consequence of Mascherano a not being a particularly good manager, but b preferring to develop players, which is what he should be doing, mm. over just winning games at all. To play in a certain way. Yeah, um, I think that's the shortest way that we can do that. Yeah. And Pahlavan says, Indonesian listener here. <laughs> Thank you for telling us where you're from. Mm. You've been tweeting at us for a, for a few weeks now, yes. so um, and you know. Sorry that you're not getting to enjoy the under-20 World Cup in your own backyard. Um, and he says a little bit, out, or they say, I should say, I don't know, um, a little bit out of context. Just found out that the under-20 World Cup had an official song. Are you guys massive fans of it? Um, um. All I can say is that I've just found out that it had an official song from reading that tweet. So I have no opinion on it no. either way. Me neither. Me neither. <laughs> no. Given that all of us are in our... No, that's not true. Given that me and Dan are in our 30s and Andres is in his 40s, I'm going to guess that the answer would be no if we heard it. It'd be uh, some sort of yeah. trap, reggaeton mashup. I'm going to, uh, yes. Dan's going to look it up now and we're going to play as much I'll of it play... as we can. Let, no more than 30 seconds, please, or we're going to have to give somebody money for it. Let's see if I can hold this up. Oh, it, it's um, an Indonesian song. I was going to say, presumably it was yeah. written for the original, um, the original hosts, rather than yes. <laughs> rather um, than sticking together something in two weeks and getting it recorded uh, for Argentina. I'm sure I would have heard it. I'm sure I've heard it at some point because I've been watching a fair bit of this. Let's see. This is the time for the show. <laughs> cut down there because in all seriousness we actually can't play more than 30 seconds of it oh really yeah yeah no i mean i doubt that it would get picked up but it might and we would technically be in breach of soundcloud's hosting rules um i stopped at 26 so yes obviously the intro is, is never necessarily the best bit to listen to but yeah it's not bad but I, I'll, I'll give it a full listen later on and yeah. not bad but it doesn't look like a world cup song it didn't no that, that bit didn't did it maybe no. the chorus yeah. would um, kind of generic yeah. World Cup song vibes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, fine, fine. But it is a nice little bit of trivia that the official under-20 World Cup uh, song for the, the yeah. under-20 World Cup held in Argentina is by an Indonesian. And I feel like I haven't heard it at all on like Tears of Sports and their yeah. official transmissions. Yeah. <laughs> kind of said something. Indeed. Uh, and Pathawan also says... With Montiel's decisive penalty in the Europa League final last night and Rafael Santos Borre in the previous edition, what is it with ex-River players taking decisive spot kicks in Europa League finals? And, I mean, I feel like in these parts, the more uh, the thing that's been focused on more heavily is Gonzalo Montiel winning a trophy with a penalty again, again. the second time this season. Yep. Yes. Which one was more important? It's impossible to say. Um, <laughs> but but then, thank you for reminding us about Borre because I've totally forgotten about it. Not failing a penalty, that is more uh, perhaps surprising. <laughs> 10 out of 10, it's yeah. incredible. And, and every time he scores one, 
I trot out the same thing, which is that I still remember when he took the first one for River in something like his fourth or fifth match for the club and he stepped up and all the commentators and I imagine all of the fans in the crowd as well were thinking, why is the right back taking a penalty when we've got two strikers on the pitch who are both decent takers? And then he and absolutely rifled it into all the of top this, corner and all, everybody went, ah, that's why. <laughs> all of this was thanks to the terrible uh, penalty taking by River in 2020. Mm. That's why Montiel said, Ooh. I will take it. And that that is where started. Yeah. All this started. And um, the curious thing is that he take it. He had to take it twice, of course, because the first one was uh, the, the the goalkeeper of Roma was uh, uh, had two steps ahead of the line, I think. And he might have thought, no, I will take it differently to the World Cup. And when there was the re- the replay, no, I will take it the same way. Yeah. Absolute genius from the goalkeeper, by the way, to, to look at who was taking the spot kick against him to win the trophy and think, I'm going to give this guy two chances. I mean, <laughs> this far, don't step off your line. Mourinho was not happy, but ball. well, you can win eh? always. Indeed. And now we really are going to have Mystic Sam. Okay, the first match of the weekend is going to be ending in uh, 13 minutes? 15, 7 slash 17 with injury time. Yeah, 13 minutes plus stoppage time. And it's currently 0-0. I think it's going to finish 0-0. The second match of the weekend kicked off 10 minutes ago. And is currently 0-0 between Absidal and Boca. Sorry, so the first one is Samuel vs. Newells. It's going to end 0-0, I think. Arsenal vs. Boca. I'm going to go for a Boxer win. That one's already underway. Um, the other games are, let's see, tomorrow. I, I, I still don't really get why we're playing two games on Thursday. And then a three on Friday. The weekend's becoming very spread out. It's confusing. Um, anyway, Estudiantes versus Barracas is going to be a draw. Tigre versus Tacheres is a win for Tacheres. Argentinos versus Platense. Uh, I was going to say that's a bit of a classic, yeah. isn't it? It is. Um, is going to be an Argentinos win, I think. Belgrano versus Beles. I'll go for a Beles win. I think that River will get a win at home to Defensa Justicia. I think that Huracan will get a win away to Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero. I think that Rosario Central will beat Instituto in Rosario. <coughs> Racing versus Banfield, I think, is a draw. Union versus Gimnasia, I think, is a draw. San Lorenzo will beat Colón 1 0. That's the one score I'm always happy to predict. Lanús versus Atletico Tucumán is. Ooh. I'm going to go for a Lanús win. And Godoy Cruz versus Independiente will be a draw. I see we're back to the 11 o'clock Sunday kickoffs. Brilliant, are we? Yes. Oh, excellent. That's a nice game to just not watch because I'll be watching a film or a series instead. <coughs> You'll be sleeping at 11 o'clock on Sunday. Oh, in the morning? Yes. Oh, right, yes. Why would they have 11, 11 p.m. kickoffs? They've never had 11 p.m. kickoffs. in Argentina. No, they've never had 11 p.m. kickoffs. <laughs> I mean, they haven't, but that doesn't right. mean they wouldn't try it. 
Um, 11 a.m. Yeah, no, yeah, right. Now we haven't got as much European football. And plus those 11 o'clock games have the potential to just go horribly off the rails because mm. the players are still half asleep or <laughs> yeah. they've been out since yeah, yeah, no, since 6 o'clock. It's not entirely unusual that I wake up to a torrent of, um, of, of live score updates from, from, uh, from my phone app because I have all of the matches in, in the league uh, set to, to alert. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not going to watch it anyway. Union <laughs> Gimnasia is the 11 o'clock Sunday kickoff. In case you're wondering which one it is, yes. Uh, so do with that information what you will. It'll yeah. be on at 3 p.m. English time. I don't think. Is yeah. there any other important games at that time not in England? Sunday, no. But there was no, a... the, the FA Cup final is on at that time on Saturday. Oh, I see. And I've got a meeting at 11 o'clock tomorrow. You have a on, meeting uh, on Microsoft Teams. So that's two days in a row. I'm going to have to wake up for 11 o'clock. Um, oh, as you a result, poor soul. I'm definitely going to be asleep at 11 o'clock on Sunday. You poor soul, Sam. Yeah, I sure. can't imagine the sacrifices you're you have to You're going to stay awake until 6, do you, Sam? You'd be surprised. I don't stay awake until 6, either, but I do stay awake quite late. But they, they, the players that will play at 11, they have to wake up at 8, I think. Mm. More or less. Yes, that's obviously that's the main difference, is that the FA Cup final is being played at 3pm mm. in the UK, which just happens to be 11 here. Whereas Union versus Gimnasia is actually kicking off at 11am and the players are going to have, as Andres says, get up and prepare for an 11am kickoff. I think most of them just don't go to bed. It would explain some of the yeah. 11 o'clock kickoffs <laughs> we've seen over, yeah. the, over the years. Mm. Anyway, on that note, so maybe, particularly if, you, if you're in Europe and it's going to be the middle of the afternoon and I can't remember which other European leagues have got matches on Sunday, I think. It's going to be the last day of the season in um, Italy, perhaps. Uh, but if it doesn't coincide with a match that you're otherwise interested in watching, maybe watch Union Gimnasia. It might turn out to be unexpectedly interesting. Why the hell not? Well, according to Dan, it's expectedly interesting. But anyway, yes. thank you very much for putting up with us for another week. We're going to get out of your ears right now because that second half was way longer than expected. And goodbye from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. English, Dan. Goodbye. And me. Thank you and goodbye.